Hello, and welcome to the Accountability Coach Podcast, where we discuss proven business success principles related to helping you make more money and work less so you can enjoy having your ideal business and your ideal life. This is Ann Backrack. Today we have a special guest with us who will share very thought-provoking ideas to help you differentiate yourself from your competition so you can achieve your goals sooner rather than later and maybe even exceed what you thought was possible. As president of a major data and internet company, Roy Osing's leadership and audacious unheard of ways took the company from its early stage to $1 billion in annual sales. He's an author, entrepreneur, and executive leader who delivers practical and proven audacious unheard of ways to help you have a high-performing business and a successful career. As an accomplished business advisor, he's the author of the No Nonsense book series, Be Different or Be Dead, with the audacious unheard of ways, I took a startup to a billion in sales as his seventh book. Welcome, Roy. We really appreciate you joining us. Hey, I'm delighted to be here, Ann. Thanks very much for having me. Well, you know, I like to get right into it to really provide a lot of great ideas and content. So I'm curious, what does be different or be dead really mean to us as business owners? Yeah, so it's uh, it's really a statement uh, that surrounds um, the way businesses and organizations these days uh, uh, differentiate themselves from the competition. So it's it's really all about differentiation. And my thesis for well over 40 years working with this stuff is basically that if you're not able to clearly differentiate yourself from your competition in a way that's meaningful and compelling and relevant to your customers, then you're going to have a, a tough road ahead. And the ultimate consequence, and we've seen it played out, is that uh, corporations and small businesses and medium-sized businesses that aren't able to differentiate themselves basically go out of business. And so the metaphor of be dead is really the ultimate consequence of not being able to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. And, um, and to be honest with you, I mean, I think these days undifferentiation is happening. And uh, quite frankly, I mean, you would think in a world where competition has never been more fierce, when customer power has never been so great, when technology change has never been so rapid, you would think that that businesses would would actually do a better job of differentiating themselves. And and my view is uh, they're not. Um, in fact, I think we're going in the opposite direction and we can dive into that if you want. But so the statement is all about come on. I mean, what we need to do is a better job, businesses. And I'm not talking corporate. I'm talking about every business, every not-for-profit needs to be more meaningful, okay, to their customers in a way that's different from everybody else because there's too much copying and claptrap going on at the moment, unfortunately. I totally agree. So here's the big question then. I mean, and I know this is a really big question because we have a lot of different industries that are listening. However, what would be something, give us an example, of how we could think about how we would be different? Well, I mean, it's really a process that I've had to create. I mean, I, I fortunately uh, was able to, to help grow a, a startup to a billion in annual sales by doing some real simple things and, and, and by also creating tools myself that broke away from tradition. And one of them was around this whole notion of differentiation. And just let me preface this by saying, when I say that, that we're not doing generally a good job, it's because we're relying on what I call claptrap. 
claptrap are words like we're better, we're the best, we're number one, we're the market leader. I mean, these are narcissism. This is narcissism at, at its very best, okay? It's a view of yourself as a corporation. It's not a declaration of what makes you special to your customers. And there's just way too much of that going on. And so I created this tool called the only statement. The only statement is real simple to say. It gets a little more challenging to do, but we can talk about how to do that. I've created a process for it. But the only statement basically says, no, no, you're not, the, you're not better. You're not the best. You're the only ones who, do, who does what you do. And so the only statement says, we are the only ones who dot, dot, dot. And the objective is to actually complete the sentence. And we do this through a process, a strategic game planning process that I've had to create in my life that got us focused on relevant things, you know, as opposed to uh, uh, to things that are nice, nice to think about, but unfortunately don't aid to the execution of strategy. And so so for people listening to separate yourself from the claptrap, right, and the humdrum that's going on out there in terms of of declarations of what makes you special, check out my only statement. I mean, it's 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 simple to say. It's a little more difficult, as I said, to, to actually create. But the thing about it is it's measurable because it's binary. You either you see it or you don't. It's It either exists or it doesn't. And it's measurable. And to your point that you write an awful lot about, about accountability, it's easy, okay, to be held accountable to the only statement. How can you ever be accountable when to to a statement that claims you're the best? because the best is really kind of relative expression anyways. So the only statement was my way to kind of cut through this undifferentiation thing. And uh, it, it was a, extremely useful. It can be used in, not just in business, could it, <clears throat> it can be used in your career. You can have a personal only statement, which of course I do. Um, and it just gives you that, <clears throat> pardon me, gives you that focus that, that is lacking in this kind of work out there. Now I imagine it is pretty difficult to come up with the statement, we are the only ones who do blank, or we are the only ones who can do whatever it is. So is it possible for you, for us to get a little bit of a demonstration on how we would work through thinking through that? Yeah, so it's, again, you know, I'm a, I'm a simple guy. I'm not a complex guy, because I believe simplicity essentially is required to light fires in people and get them behind executing on strategy. Because at the end of the day, if you can't execute it, what's what's the point, right? Because that's where you get performance. And so I've come up with this little process myself, and it's called target, test, and try. So the whole idea behind the only statement is, first of all, you're, you're not talking to the market in general, a mass market, when you when you talk about the only, right? You're, you're talking to a specific target market or customer group that you've chosen to serve because you think they have the latent potential to drive the revenue growth that you need. Okay. So let's just call that target. I call them the who the who is, is really are, are the groups of customers you're choosing to serve. And that's, that's the, the objective of the only statement you're talking to those people. Okay. So you really have to understand what they crave, what they covet, what they desire, what they want. Needs are almost incidental in, in my world because basically, you know, people's needs are practically satisfied. But if you if you want to get into the kind of like price insensitive, competition insensitive uh, kind of arena, then you need to figure out what people crave and what they lust for, because those are the things that people are willing to pay for. And so that's the who you start out with the target. I need to understand 
who I want to talk to. Once you get that, you then start, you match what they crave with what your skills and capabilities are. And so this is kind of like a, you know, a rote process of matching. So if they crave one, two, and three, and you've got a skill set that matches, you're now in a pretty good position to actually create an only statement. Now, the point I want to make is the only statement may not be a function of who you presently are. You may have to create who you need to be in order to be special. Okay. And that's where a lot of people kind of fall down. They say, well, nothing makes me special. And I said, well, that's because we haven't created a strategy. Okay. That embodies the concept of being unique. Let me give you an example. I just recently completed some work with this company in Eastern Canada that thought that thought they were in the boat selling business. Okay. The reality was after we did a strategy session and created an only statement, we completely redefined their business. And so the only statement we came up for them was as follows. And I'll give them a plug on this because they did a great job. BCI Marine is the only complete service provider committed to delivering solutions to grow a boat dealer's business. Now, when we started that, that when we started out the strategy session and, and trying to build an only statement, they, they continued to believe that they were in the boat selling business. And they said to me, we're not special. And I said, okay, we need to redefine the business you're in. What if you were in the business of growing the boat dealers business? Is there anybody else in that space? And of course they said, no. I said, well, okay, why don't we talk about playing in that space where you are unique? And now you got to develop the skills and competencies that actually support that. So what we did through the use of the only is transform the business that they were in from selling boats to actually consulting with boats as an anchor with boat dealers to help grow their business. And so they had to acquire, put in place uh, plans to acquire, you know, new competencies in terms of financial management and, and consulting and, and planning, et cetera. But this like really lit them up. And so it's not always obvious. Only is a strategic thing. It's not always a, a given thing. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you're fortunate to be really special in something that people care about. But, but my experience is that, that that rarely happens. You don't know, have to work it and work it and treat it as a strategy exercise as opposed to a, here's, just what, here's, here's what I'm made up of and, and wow, it's special and unique. That's a little tougher to get to. Yeah, I would imagine so for some people. So this is a great example and a great way to get us thinking really about our only statement. Yeah, and it's the other thing I have to say is uh, the only statement is always a draft down. It's never done. Okay, and by that I mean, I mean, how could you how can you possibly finalize something uh, in a competitive world that is constantly changing? And so what I say to people is let's get it just about right. Go test it. Talk to your customers, talk to your employees uh, about A, does it really address something that people care about? And B, is it true? Okay, those are the simple accountability questions around your only statement. And if you get a positive response from both of those, then go try it. It's good enough for now. Okay, try it in the marketplace, see how it works, create your communications planning and strategies around it, you know, declare it drill down and provide more granularity within the statements. For example, in the one that I mentioned, there's a phrase in there that says to grow a boat dealer's business. 
Okay, that needs to be defined in more granularity. Okay, so the work that I do, what we do is we deconstruct the only statement into phrases, and it's what I call an unpacking process, and we provide a further, more granular explanation as to what each of those phrases mean so that people get a better understanding of it. And so when you're talking to a client and you want to use your only statement, you've got to be prepared to explain, well, what do I mean by growing a boat dealer's business, right? And so that exercise is pretty cool as well because that gets you down to a level of granularity and people go, ah, okay, I get it. Yeah, that is a problem that I have as a boat dealer. My margins are suffering. I need somebody to help me get my margins up. And of course, you put your hand up and you say, oh, I'm in that business. Yeah, I provide boats. So let's talk about how we can leverage boats into maximizing your profit. Okay. And that's a really cool conversation to be in. But it starts out with saying it's a draft and it'll always be a draft. You never complete it. And that's the thing. Even though we've been taught, right? Get, achieve an objective, then move on. No, you don't do that with the only statement. You get it just about right and you keep working it through time and, and revise it with changes in the marketplace because that's the only way it survives. That's the only way it can be sustainable. That totally, totally makes sense. I really like this, Roy. This is so powerful. And I like the statement that you made earlier where you said, who do you need to be to be special and unique? Because a lot of times we don't think about that. So how do we really differentiate ourselves? What do we need to become? Who do we need to be to be able to do that? That's powerful in itself as well. Yeah, and it's a, it's a really important piece of the work that I do because, again, I'm, I'm always confronted with the statement that you alluded to before that said, Roy, I'm, I mean, I'm just, we're just not, we're just in the business. We're just not really special at anything. And it's because, you know, everything like this requires another set of eyes. Now, now for me, this is how I think. I mean, so I can spot, you know, a roadblock to people's, you know, progress in this area real easy. Right. And to reframe it so that people now fall into it is kind of the challenge. And that's that's something that uh, that I do. I mean, I did some work with the St. John Ambulance Society because this works in not for profits as well as for profits. Right. They came up with an only statement, which that I thought was absolutely miraculous. They said St. John Ambulance is the only first aid advocate that provides safety solutions anywhere, anytime. Now that, that was absolutely mind blowing because they thought they were in the business of doing training and selling product. But what we did is reframe their business. They're now an advocate for safety and that led down a path to a whole bunch of different programs. And they're in the solutions business, not the product flogging business. And they exist or they wanna make themselves always on, you know, so the, the, the phrase anywhere, anytime uh, was something that was just like kind of jolted them out of their previous frame of reference. And so it's really exciting to see kind of like the, the, the pupils dilate <laughs> of the leadership team around the table when you start doing this work, right? It's exciting. I mean, it, it's not just thinking out of the box, it's creating a new box to think in is kind of what this does. And it's really exciting. I, I just love doing it. It's what I exist for. And it's why you're so good at it and why you've been doing it for so long. So, yeah, maybe one of these days I'll get it right, huh? 
Well, it sounds like you're helping a lot of people. One thing that I'd, I'd like to just spend a couple minutes on here is other, obviously, key learnings that can help us take our business from where we're at now to a billion in sales. Now, that being said, I think a lot of times people get hung up on selling versus servicing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and I'll say right off the bat, I mean, great organizations don't sell. They serve and and people buy, okay? So, you know, you you got one or two choices here. You can flog supply or you can create demand and draw customers and have them fall into you, not lean into you, fall into you because you give them such a compelling, relevant value proposition, okay? So I think that's all about serving. And it's interesting to me that uh, a lot of a lot of salespeople have a lot of difficulty with the notion because there's something going on just with the name sales. Well, I'm in sales. Well, hang on a sec. What's the end game here? <clears throat> the end game is not to flog your iron. The end game is to get <clears throat> customers to buy your solution. How do you do that? Well, isn't it obvious? You do that by not beating them up, right, with a slick sales proposition. You do it by serving them in ways that are meaningful to them. And when you do that so well, they automatically buy. It's just amazing, okay, the people that really do it well. Now, having said that, there are a lot of salespeople that get this, and they're the truly successful ones. You know, they're not driven by today's quota. And by the way, the whole quota thing, <clears throat> I mean, we could, we, could, we could spend a show on that, needs to be completely rethought. It's not sales problem and fault that they're quota driven. It's leadership's fault because they take such a short view of relationships. You can't build meaningful relationships that sustain themselves over time if you're driven by a quota because that leads you into the product flogging world, not the serving world. So I think the end game for sales and for, for any business is to redefine what you mean. I mean, the strategic imperative of sales is to serve customers, not to flog stuff at them. I think that's so key because I, I know so many people who want to be of service to people think they're trying to sell them something. Therefore, they get all wrapped around the axle with the word sales or selling, and that freaks them out. Therefore, they almost become stagnant in what they're doing because they don't want to be salesy, right? Yeah, and, and you know, look, at this is a function of, of, of the way the world has evolved around selling. Okay, I mean, if you if you just go out and look what's involved in selling, they talk about things like funnel management, conflict resolution. They don't talk about serving. I'm the only one that talks about serving in this respect, really. And so you can't blame them. They're getting this driven down their throat. If you're not flogging, you're not selling. Okay, that's good. Stop flogging and start serving. The other thing that I find is people don't have confidence in the reality here that says, if I do a great job serving an individual, I have to have confidence that they will buy. If I'm meaningful and relevant enough to them, I need to trust that they will want what I'm offering, that they will want the solution, that they will want the help, that they will want the service that I've got in my toolkit. I have to trust it. And if it's not happening, then you're not serving effectively enough. And so that ends up to be kind of like a a training issue and whatever. And look at a lot of people self-select out on this and they can't do it. It's not something that's comfortable. I mean, I had, I had some sales vice presidents say to me in my day, Roy, I can't do this. I, the, the idea of serving is repugnant to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. See ya. Right. <laughs> bye bye. 
That's shocking, find... right? Yeah, That's... well, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's a, it's a psychological thing to a lot of people. When I say, I want you to be a servant, they go, no, I'm not going to be a servant. I mean, think about the connotations of the word. You know, subordinating yourself to somebody else. I mean, that's got a lot of baggage in it for a lot of people. And and I'm saying, well, unfortunately for you, the baggage that, that's there serves the corporation or the organization in the long run because it's sustainable and it grows revenues and it, it shoots performance through the roof. <clears throat> and eventually we got to a billion in annual sales. Now, don't think about the billion. It's about extraordinary growth that this leads to. And you just have to have you know, skilled people to do it. And you got to have the confidence that this is not a short term game. Relationships aren't built necessarily in 30 seconds. You have to work at it and you have to have an accountability system that allows you to do that. Right. Otherwise, it won't happen. For sure. Obviously, I believe in accountability in every aspect, whether it's working out, whether I mean, personal and business, we all you know, have good intentions, but those good intentions don't produce results for sure. Now, whether we're taking our yeah. business to a million, two million, ten million, or a billion, give us some other specific ideas that you've learned over the years and you teach over the years that can help us take our business to the next level that we need to get to and want to get to. Yeah, and so we've sort of been getting into that a little bit so far. I mean, to me, the overall overriding challenge for any business is to differentiate themselves along the lines that we've been talking about. There is a tool, it's a proven tool, it's a simple tool, it's a practical tool, it's called the only, you need to do that. Okay, if you can't differentiate yourself, stop. Don't go, I, mean, I spent a lot of time talking to, to, to entrepreneurs and, and CEOs of startups, and they wanna know <clears throat> how to launch their business. And the first question I ask them is, how are you different? Tell me. Tell me how you're different in a way that your prospective customers care about. And a lot of them, a lot of them just spew out the same old claptrap that tells me that they're no different. And I say to them, stop your engines. Get out of the car. Don't spend money. You need to spend time. Okay, do the work on carving out a unique niche for yourself, right? In a way, again, it's not what you think. It's, it's, it's uniqueness in a way that your customers or prospective customers care about. If you can't do that, then all you're going to be doing is whistling in the wind and spending a lot of money. So to me, that is the first first thing. Somebody said to me, what are the top three challenges in business today, Roy? And I say, well, the first one's differentiation. The second one's differentiation. And the third one is differentiation. It's about differentiation. And that's because undifferentiation is happening. That said, <clears throat> here's a couple of other things that, that your, your listeners may, may enjoy. I'm an execution guy, okay? Like I, ideas are fine, but unless they can degenerate into action, they're worthless. And I don't want to talk about something that has got a, a lot of intellectual credibility if I can't execute it. That's what that's one of the issues I have with blue the whole the whole notion around blue oceans. It's all very well to to, to say intellectually we should find a blue ocean, but the reality is 99% of organizations are in red oceans completely aggressive competition going on around them and they have to survive and figure out a way to manage it. Don't talk to me about blue oceans when I'm sitting in a red ocean, right? Okay, red oceans are all about execution. And so I'm kind of like one of those guys that says, I'm looking for ways in my company to execute better. <clears throat> and so I came up with a couple of silly little notions that, <laughs> that actually worked really well. 
And one of them is called, which I call cleanse the inside. And it's called, if you want to execute better, you need to clean the inside of your organization. So what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, businesses of any size have things going on inside them that actually restrict execution as opposed to enabling them. Um, I call it crap. Okay. So I came up with this cut the crap program that, that had a really, really simple objective. Let's figure out the stuff, the grunge going on in the organization that is preventing us from getting things done. Wow. I mean, frontline people love that because all I had to do was say, do we have any crap in the organization? And they gave me at that time 77 pages of stuff that was going on. And it was interesting because my fellow executives said, Roy, I understand what you're doing, but you can't call it crap. I mean, you're president of a company. You can't call it crap. I said, OK, I'm going to call it stupid, ridiculous things. How about that? Because the reality is they are crap and they are stupid. And the thing is, the language resonated with people. It lit their fires. It stirred them up. It, it sort of motivated them to try and help. So we had a cut the crap program. It was extremely successful. I mean, I can't give you a correlation between cut the crap and, and the billion like a lot of people ask me to do because I don't care. All I know is in its simplicity, a number of those things helped us in our journey to a billion, <clears throat> even though we didn't know it was a billion at the time. So cleansing the inside is huge. Okay. And it doesn't really matter whether you're a solopreneurial organization or you got 10 or 15 employees. Take a minute. And ask yourself the question, do I have any dumb rules that customers don't like? I call them dumb rules. Some people call them non-strategic activities. I call them dumb rules. Okay? Are you doing anything that's a roadblock to a, a, a memorable customer experience? Because that should be the end game. And, you know, not satisfying their needs, but delighting them, dazzling them, taking their breath away. That's what we need to do every time we have a transaction or a customer encounter. So are there any rules or are there any procedures that get in the way of that? Sit down and ask yourself, ask your people, okay, identify them, do something with them, okay, as part of this sort of overall cleansing process. The other thing that, uh, another thing that I did that I think was extremely important and, and effective, I call it line of sight leadership, line of sight leadership. And the idea behind this was that there's a lot of dysfunctionality that goes on in organizations. And by that, I mean people doing different things or people, people not doing the things required of the strategy. Like they create their own sort of definition of what they have to do and they go ahead and do it. And then somebody else creates their definition. And all of a sudden, you've got a lot of people doing different things. And so what I did is I tagged it line of sight leadership is I made a point of drawing a line of sight between every function and every person in the organization with a strategy so that there was no lack of clarity between what somebody had to do and the strategy that we had. And that was all about execution. All right. So marketing, here's what you need to do. Sales, here's what you need to do. Here's what you have to give up. Internal audit, this is what you need to do. Okay. Communications. This is So we actually had workshops throughout the company. Uh, where we had people work this. Now, that did two things. First of all, it helped me cleanse and get some of the line of sight stuff done, but it also created an in-depth understanding of the strategy because that's another problem that organizations have is that they finish the strategy and they expect everybody in the organization to understand it. Well, the reality is that's not practical. It's not possible. The leader's job 
is to put their own fingerprints on their strategy. They need to take it to people and convince them that it's a reasonable course to go on. Why? Because if they're not convinced, they won't execute. And what's the consequence of that? Lack of performance. And so everything that I did, it was, it was totally dogmatically driven by the need to perform and drive the results, the accountabilities of the results, okay, in the strategy that we had. The line of sight piece was huge because we got rid of stuff that people were doing, of course, that, that was no longer related to the strategy. And it really helped in execution. So those, those are a few things. I mean, I hired for goosebumps is another one that was kind of fun to talk about, but you know, a lot of little things, okay? Because my philosophy is really simple. Get a nano inch with a, pro with a progress fast. That's what you have to do. Get your plan just about right, execute it with precision or as best you can, learn from that, tweak, tweak the strategy on the run. And that's a model, by the way, that I don't read in many other textbooks but my own. <laughs> yeah, that's really smart because also if we're not constantly going with what trends are happening and things are happening, we become stagnant and therefore stop growing as well, you know, or go the reverse direction. Somebody takes all of our business, right? So we're not, not growing, we're actually going in reverse. And really the cut the crap I like for many things, but also, you know, cutting people out of the organization. I've worked with a lot of organizations that have one or two or three different staff people on their team and they helped them to get to where they are, but they're not the right team that's gonna take them to where they ultimately wanna go. They don't have the skills, the desire, mm -hmm. the interest, whatever it might be. And so cutting the crap is not just cutting out things that aren't working, but I think it's also, fortunately or unfortunately, letting people go that aren't working to help you grow. Yeah, so <clears throat> the, the approach, I agree with what you said, the approach that I use, the means that I use to get to the same place through cut the crap was identifying work no longer required. And to the extent that there were people associated with that work that were no longer required in any other aspect of my organization, then you know we dealt with them accordingly. But what I found was that that there were a lot of people who who were unwilling to give up the crap, and so yeah, we had to exit them because they just didn't want to be part of the team anymore. But there were others who said, yeah, okay, I get it. Okay, I'm I'm associated with crap. <laughs> the way the conversation went. What else can I do for you, Roy? I said, okay, let's let's get you over here, right? We're trying to design this this process right around around blowing customers' minds. I think you got the skill sets. Can you help us there? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in. So what happened was we got more meaningful fits, productivity went up, uh, and, and performance just kept going. So I think the secret in terms of, of numbers of people is all about identifying the work that's no longer required and dealing with that uh, eventuality in the way that, that you have to. But people find found it easier Okay, especially the ones that left, easier to say, okay, the, the work is no longer required because we got a strategy that doesn't need it anymore. There's nothing I can do about this. This isn't a matter of laying off. It's a matter of relevance. Your job isn't relevant. Okay, over here, we've got a whole bunch of relevant positions. Now let's talk about that, have that conversation and see where we go. Yeah, that's great. It's just basically, yeah, moving people over that might have a great skill set and desire to do something different or something else that maybe wasn't presently there. That, hey, I'm interested in that, even though I didn't really like this job and don't really care about doing this or being good at that, but hey, this really does interest me. So moving yeah. people around to see where they can better fit is also an extremely good point. Any other 
words of insight, wisdom that you want to share with us to help us have an audacious business, be an audacious business owner and take our business to the next level? I guess we've talked a lot about differentiation and I'm I'm a um, I'm a proponent in in not biting off too much because if you bite off too much, you're not going to do any of it. And I want people to move the differentiation yardstick. So please spend some time just kind of like thinking about what this what we've talked about today around differentiation. I think the other thing I'd like to say is, look, at simple is good. Simpler is better. Unfortunately, the world we're in seems to reward complexity with the labor with the label that it's brilliant. And I'm so far not on that page. I mean, the implication that you got to be complex to be to be good or to, to be effective is is an absolutely nonsensical notion. And, and the reason for that is people who you rely on to execute in your business, they want it simple. If you want to if you want to really screw up execution, make it complex. And so I'm a simple guy and I ended up translating concepts or whatever down to very, very rudimentary th things that meant something to people lit their fires. So think simple. And don't say, that's oh, too simple. I, I, it couldn't possibly work. Never say that. Okay, you can't say that to me in the middle of a journey to a billion because that's all we did is the simple stuff that we've been talking about here. It's not rocket science. And unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of advocates of process and concepts that like you to believe that in order to be great, you have to be complex. So think simplicity. The other thing I want to say to you is put the textbook down. And what I mean by that is, look, and I'm a fan of education, and I believe that people need to get a, a good education. But there comes a time in business where you need to put it down. You need to put it down in favor of simplicity, in, in favor of, 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 of practicality, in favor of the, the sort of breakaway concepts and moves that we've been discussing here. Okay. Unfortunately, there's so much inertia in, in the world these days that are forcing people to comply with academics, right? Here are the rules, here are the algorithms, follow them and you will be successful. That's hogwash. That's absolute hogwash. I want you to think about breaking away from that. So put the textbook down. It got you here. It will not necessarily get you to where you need to get to in terms of building your business. Your business will be built on the backs of being unique and special in a way people care about. It will be built on the backs of memorable customer experiences provided by people in your organizations, not technology, people in your organizations who actually love human beings, full stop. Yeah, and some of those textbooks were written 20 and 30 years ago also that people are still reading and, yeah. and those are well outdated. So. We're trying to be current and differentiate ourselves, be simple and unique. I love it. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time with us today to share your great insight and some fabulous ideas that we can immediately start to implement. And remember, it doesn't have to be perfect. A draft is good enough to get this ball rolling. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. To learn more about Roy and what he does, visit his website and join him on the Be Different or Be Dead conversation by going to BeDifferentOrBeDead.com. 
Well, my hope for our time together with Roy is that you got value in an idea or two that will help you be even more successful professionally and personally. Feel free to share my podcast with others as it can be found on most podcast platforms and in most English speaking countries and, of course, at accountabilitycoach.com. And if you'd like to get a short daily fix from me, subscribe to the Accountability Minute, which can also be found on most podcast platforms and in most English speaking countries. And remember to subscribe to my Proven Business Success Tips and Resources blog by going to accountabilitycoach.com forward slash blog. And always aim for what you want each and every day. Until next time, make it a great day. Today and every day. I appreciate you listening.